0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Free Kick the Fantasy W Podcast. We're here today to chat all things Collingwood Magpies. It's very exciting to be hitting another fantasy-relevant team. I'm your host, Jono, and joining me today is the Magpie man himself, Will. Yeah, everyone. Thanks, Jono. You're a bit of a Collingwood fan yourself. Uh, This is the first team we've hit on the list where someone's actually supporting the team we're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Been following the Pies since the very start, so very happy to be talking about them and their upcoming season.
0: Yeah, definitely up and about a little bit. Why don't you start us off with a quick overview of the Pies' time in the AFLW?
1: So Collingwood were one of the inaugural sides in the first ever season of AFLW back in 2017. Bit of a slow start for the Pies. They were particularly affected by the expansion clubs, losing a number of players, particularly to North Melbourne. But since then, they've slowly built up to become a really relevant side, both from a fantasy perspective, but also in the finals race. Yeah, they've
0: done really well on that continuity side of things, keeping the playing group together. And they, they did pretty well coming through, I suppose, this last expansion period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of that's been their coach, Steve Simmons, who's been the coach of the, the Magpies since the 2020 season, so season five. He's really helped keep that nice core group together and make them really enjoy their football. So really helped them become much, much stronger a side. They've also had some good continuity in terms of their leadership on field. Uh, Steph Kiochi is now coming into her seventh season as captain of the Pies, So very good effort by Steph. They're also co-captained by W award winner, Bree Davy, who unfortunately will be sitting out this season with an ACL injury.
0: Did you have any of the Collingwood players in your fantasy team last year, mate?
1: Yeah, I did. So I started the season with Chloe Malloy, thought it was a bit of a value pick and injury affected season still scored some decent scores for me in that forward line, but, Probably didn't quite hit the heights that I was hoping for. I brought in Jamie Lambert as a unique pick in my midfield. Scored some massive scores for me as well. Won their best and fairest. So she was a really good unique pick. And we'll talk a bit about her later as well. Uh, but the one who was my first pick player straight into my back line was All-Australian defender Ruby Slyshar. Most expensive defender in the game at the start of uh, the last season. And a few people were laughing at me a bit for for paying up, but... In the end, she came absolutely really, really good at the end of the season and made it absolutely worth it.
0: Yeah, that that was a gem of a pick right at the end there, having a 128 in that final round versus the Crows.
1: Yeah, just massive scoring from a from a pure defender as well. Not playing through the midfield just meant that she was a must-have by the end of the season. I'm pretty sure we all ended up with her by the end. Was that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I picked her up and I know, I know Liam had her in there at the end.
1: I think Mel got um, early on as well. So, yeah, no,
0: she did. She did. She was about halfway through the season. Mm. Uh, well, look, we actually have quite an exciting thing to to bring onto the podcast today. We have managed to catch up with Ruby uh, earlier to have a little bit of a chat about Collingwood, uh, both her time there and you know the upcoming season seven. Uh, and it's oh, it's exciting to be able to hear from the players about what's what's going on at the club.
1: Oh, absolutely. Nobody knows AFLW quite like the players, so. To get a player voice and a player of the absolute quality that is Ruby Slash is just, oh, it's incredible. I'm, I'm stoked to be able to get a player of her quality on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, without further ado, we might then jump in and just have a listen to what one of the premier AFLW fantasy defenders has to say about the Collingwood Magpies. Welcome to the show, Ruby.
2: Thanks for having boys.
1: So Ruby, we'll start from the start of your career. So you've come over from Perth in your first year of the AFLW, getting drafted to a big club like the Magpies. How big of a decision was that for you to to move over to Victoria for footy, especially early days when the competition was just taking off?
2: Yeah, oh, I was 18 at the time and it would have been really easy for me to just decide to stay in Western Australia and live with my family and I'm very close to my family as well, so you know, its in the draft, in the women's draft, obviously it's not like the men's where the men don't really get a say in where they're going to what state they're going to end up in. Obviously, it's not our full time job and we're not paid enough to live off. Particularly back then, like I moved across the country making eight grand for the year playing AFLW, so it was a really big call. But my mum and dad sort of said, you know, it was up to me whether I stayed and nominated West Australia and got picked up by Frio or went over to Collingwood. And I spoke to mum and dad about it and I sort of had I'd been talking to the two clubs and I knew that wherever I nominated I was gonna get picked up. So yeah, mum and dad just sort of said, Look, home's always here. If if over there doesn't work out or you get homesick or you get delisted, which I probably should have been, um, then you know, home's always here, you come back, you give it another crack. So which I'm just I'm so glad that they did do that and, you know, they're very supportive of that with all of us kids. It's all worked out so far, which is good and I feel like I'm only you know victoria is only more and more turning into my home now probably the first few years it was like oh you know i love it but um, i'll probably end up back at wa at some stage because i I would get homesick and obviously then was having to work full time to support myself outside of football as well now you know each year that i'm here i sort of i feel this is more and more home and i just see myself staying here really
1: you mentioned that you should have been delisted so You're now one of the premier defenders in the competition, two-time All-Australian, but that hasn't always been the case. So can you tell us a little bit about your early career and how you've developed into that star player that you are today?
2: Uh, Yeah, it took a while, but uh, thank God Collingwood trusted in me. Yeah, my first four years were pretty average, to say the least. I was drafted as a utility, played as an undersized ruck my first year behind Emma King, who pretty sure was All-Australian that year. So I think I played five games that year, which was a surprise to me too. I didn't think that as an 18-year-old undersized rock that I'd be, you know, I'm only five foot nine. I didn't think that I would really get that much of a crack. Can't say I loved the rock, but I was getting games. So you sort of do what you got to do for the team. And then after that year, I sort of moved into, you know, the back line and starting to learn, you know, the defensive craft, which came a lot more natural to me, but I didn't really give myself the tools to be a good player. I was probably carrying a bit too much weight. didn't really know. I think I wanted to work hard. And when I was on the footy field, I was working hard. But off-field, I had no idea how to gym. Like, we'd be in the gym and I'd be dancing around, distracting everyone. Like, just, you know, that's the sort of person I was. And still am. But at least now I've actually figured out how to work hard in the gym too. But, yeah, it's just, you know, those first few years, it was – I was probably lucky that I, with my personality, I'm I'm the type of – I was probably a bit of a class ca- class clown and um, the type of personality that just sort of brought enjoyment to footy. And I'm not, I'm if I what if that wasn't me, I'm not sure that I would have given the chances that I was given. You know, it did get me into trouble sometimes, but it's you know, it got me another contract in the end of the day. And it wasn't until I sort of really knuckled down, actually figured out what you know, well Sarah Rowe, started living with Sarah Rowe and saw what a real athlete looks like and trains like and eats and all of that that I probably learned that I can be on that level as well and for me I, th- I think football always came pretty natural to me I, you know playing since I was really little but yeah it wasn't until I actually sort of realized how I could what I could turn my body into and give myself the tools that I could actually become a good player.
0: Well you've certainly become that I mean over the what six seasons of the comp so far? It really come a long way, and so is the the Collingwood Pies. From that start, you've really built into a team that's a consistent finals contender. How has that changed? Has it has the whole club gone into that more professional, eating better, training better? Is that something that's I suppose across
2: the whole club? Yeah, definitely. I think particularly this year, I, I'm actually really intrigued to see our shift this coming season, even just from the last season. I know, like I know it's the same year, but. There's been a lot of changes at our club. Obviously with expansion, there was always going to be movement, but we've done pretty well to keep, you know, the core of our group together, which, you know, a lot of teams weren't able to do. And it's occurred to the girls, you know, there was, there was money being thrown around at girls that no one ever would have thought before, which had to happen because it had to encourage expansion and movement to give new clubs a chance. But, you know, I know a lot of our girls took like potential, you know, took pay cuts to stay at Pies and because we trust in what we've got at the club. You know, there's been big changes. We've got a new SNC in. The support that we have in our facilities, is, it just feels really different. And I think the standard that the girls have set, is, we're only four weeks into pre-season, but the standard that the girls have set for ourselves this year, it's taken to the next level. Previous years, it was almost maybe like we were happy to play footy. Obviously, the last couple of years, we've played finals and we've been really competitive, which we've loved. Prior to that, it was probably like we were just happy to be out there and playing women's footy and we've got a platform where, Now we're like, no, we're here for a reason. We want to be serious contenders and we actually want to win a flag. Um, And I think that shows in the commitment that the majority of the list staying and then, yeah, just the support that's been put into us now with, you know, S&Cs and stuff like that, it's going to be a really new look Collingwood coming into next season, which is so exciting to be
1: a part of. Well, interestingly, I want to talk a little bit about how it's not so much a new look backline because yourself, Stacey Livingston and Sophie Casey were all drafted in that initial draft. And have been at the pies all the way through so has that consistency in that back line been a massive help to to driving those standards and and keeping the club really focused
2: yeah I think so but I mean you look at you know Steph ciocchi has been our captain since the start as well you know that commitment from it sort of feeds through the team I think and I think there's, there's there might maybe five of us left uh from that original side so there obviously has been a lot of movement but I guess naturally the more you play together, the more you, you work together. And I think that really shows with myself, Stacey and so Casey as well as the the rest of the back line as well. We just all work together really well. But yeah, I mean, particularly us three, we we've been playing together for so long that it's like second nature. We don't even have to look behind us. We know where each other are going to be. So yeah, when you play together for so long, it's pretty crazy to think we're coming into our seventh season because, I mean, I didn't think I'd be around for this long. And it's it's just, you know, it is bizarre to think that but yeah, it, def- it definitely shows. And I think it shows in some of the great teams. You look at Adelaide, a team that has stuck so fat for so long. It's, it's no wonder they're so successful because they've been able to keep their team. It'll be really interesting to see how they go this, this season because obviously they've, you know, with Phillips out and they've lost a few key players. But, you know, I think when you do keep that core and those people that have been there for so long, it, it can make a huge difference.
0: Last season was just so much change happening with a lot of games being rescheduled due to COVID, players missing, and one thing I suppose that happened where Collingwood seem to have kept all their players, which is great, but there was some pretty key injuries last year to some of your your big midfielders. So obviously Brie Davy and Brett Benichi both gone down with those ACL injuries. How do you see yourselves dealing with that as a as a change less less so from the player movement, but more of just player availability?
2: Yeah. Oh, look, I think it's. It it's a credit to the team that we've got is you look at the back end of our year and the teams that we came up against, you know, I think it was around nine, around 10 last year, we came up against Adelaide and went down by two points, the team that went on to win the final. We didn't have Britt or Bree in that. Obviously they're they're huge players for us and, and we do miss them immensely, but I think it's a credit to our team and the team that the staff have put together that you can throw girls, anywhere and we're still gonna be really competitive. So I think we've had a taste, obviously with with brute going down after Brick, we've had a taste of, right, we're missing those two. How are we gonna to work together to win games? And that's just something we're gonna to have to figure out. It's a part of sport. It happens in the men's, it happens in the women's a lot in the women's because, you know, the the amount of needs is just ridiculous. But it's a part of it. No one's ever gonna get through unscathed. I've had my injuries. There's always gonna be girls dropping my front right, and centre. So it's sort of how you can keep that belief in the group, try and fill those holes and have a second option ready. You know, at, like at Pies, we need to be ready to play two different positions. They coach us in two different positions because if, in case something like that does happen, we still want to be as competitive as we can be.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and we saw that with those two superstars going down with injury, it presented opportunities for, for other players. Michaela Can got a really good run through that centre and finished the year really, really strongly, finished third in the best and fairest. I guess is is there other players that you see getting more of that midfield time, younger players like Tani Brown or perhaps Chloe Malloy doing that run through role as well?
2: Yeah, I mean it's something for the coaches to look at anyway. There'll be a few of us running through there. It'll it might take a while to figure out. As we said, free and Britt are such massive out. You know, obviously Jamie Lambert and Bully and keep running through there. You sort of want to make sure that our, our forward line is still as strong as possible as well. So whether girls are switching Midfield and forward, but you know that's what the preseason's for to test things out. We're lucky we get a match team and a scratch match to see what works and change things leading into the season. So yeah, I'm sure the staff will sort of be and Steve will be thinking about different options. I mean, like personally, I love Ash Sheridan in there. She's had a bit of a crack in there last season, probably not as much as I would have liked to see of her. She played a lot of forward time, but I think she's a natural mid. She's got that bigger body and she's just really explosive, and I think she can be really damaging in there. So. I'd love to see her in there a bit more. But yeah, as I said, that's for the coaches to figure out what works and who works well together in there.
1: And you kind of touched on it as well. You want your forward line to be as strong as possible. We saw Sophie Alexander, one of the big outs going to Essendon. So there's a tall forward spot up for grabs and she was the second leading goal kicker for the Pies last year. Who sort of fills that void and and steps up to kick a few more goals for the Pies?
2: I think Imogen Barnett. She's a massive in for us and she probably didn't get much of an opportunity last year because she was behind SOAP and SABS in the way of selection um, and she did have a couple of cracks and I thought she was awesome whenever she did come in for someone you know your first couple of games in AFLW it's going to take a little bit to settle in but I think she's got a lot of potential and you know it's sort of that thing of how many talls are we playing do we go you know we've got a lot of little pacey forwards as well so depends what sort of game plan we want to end up playing but yeah, I'm not too worried. i Sabs is primed for a really good season this year. Um, she's, yeah, training really well and really found her feet. It's always funny coming to a new club and sort of maybe feeling like you can't talk up straight away and all that sort of thing. But I think it's her second year now. It's her club, you know, it's her forward line and, you know, she's going to do whatever she can to, you know, make it up there and be a really damaging player like we all know she can be.
0: What's the second position that you try and train for?
2: <laughs> yeah, throw me in the rut. <laughs> yeah. tall forward um, no I've been running through the mid a little bit just see how I feel in there if they feel they need me in there a bit of a bigger body obviously you know bully and chops. they're a bit of that you know bit smaller where the option there for me to run through if I need to I love the back line though so we'll see where I end up
1: well it's interesting that you say that actually because you mentioned the Adelaide game last year and you ended the year in terrific form including that game where you had a career high 31 disposals so you do like to find the footy a fair bit. Maybe that midfield role mightn't be that uh, that strange to you, Ruby.
2: Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'll go in there and I'll probably get two disposals. So let's not talk too soon. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we'll see. I, I love the back line. I, I think you can play it, do anything in the back line. But and I'm, de- I'm definitely open to the challenge of being thrown in there and learning a new element of the game. And, you know, who knows, that might be sort of the next progression of my career is that challenge of, you know, becoming a good player in a different position.
1: And I suppose probably on the last position we haven't talked that much about, Al Downey's been a, a stalwart of the game. The ruck position is probably one that's going to be a bit of interest for for Collingwood in the next few years. Barring yourself going back in there, is there any any word you can give us on who will be sort of uh, filling in that backup role for Al Downey?
2: Uh, I will retire before I go back in the ruck, so I'm not <laughs> sure who's the have seen me in there. Um, oh, look, we've got pretty good stocks. We've got, you know, Erica Fowler who sort of plays as a bit of a utility for us she can kind of go ev- anywhere whether it's wing ruck back line so she's a really handy player in that way so if we need her to chop in there she can we've brought in Liv Barber from Geelong this year so she's obviously that taller player and yeah once she's sort of found her feet in the team she's an option to throw in the backup ruck as well I'm I'm not sure whether they've spoken about putting sabs through there sometimes I, I am mean, interested. Terribly, I'd have her in the floor line all the time. We'll just <laughs> kick it to her. But yeah, I, I like Doons is running really well. You know, she's what is she 33 or something like that? She's one of the older on our squad, but she moves like she's a young girl. She's you know, she's no sign of slowing down. Um, her body probably pulls up better than mine does from training sessions. So <laughs> I'm not too worried about you know her over the next year or two. But you know, I, I don't think if if anything was to happen or in the in the coming years, I'm not too worried. You know, I'm pretty confident in the girls that we have learning. You know, Barb is only 19, so she's got a lot ahead of her as well once she finds her feet in the side. And as I said, Erica's sort of, you can throw her in there if you need.
0: We're now coming into Season 7. It's the first time you've got the the 18 clubs in the competition. Is there, I guess, like an extra excitement or a new, a new mantra, I suppose, a new focus going into this season?
2: Yeah. Oh, look, it's. I mean, not. I don't think too much changes, particularly when – we've kept a pretty consistent side. I think if if you were in a whole new team and the, the players looked really different and then you'd sort of be thinking a bit more about it, but we're one of the lucky sides that stayed pretty consistent and know how each other play. So, I mean, myself personally, I'm at training looking at the girls and, and they're flying and it's probably because we only had eight weeks off between seasons, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of time to sort of lose the, the momentum, I guess. But yeah, I things don't change too much. I think the biggest change that I've seen is in our training standards, which, you know, comes from our S&C and things that have been in, put in place in the off-season by by our high performance and our staff. And the girls are just responding so well to that. I think it's probably the first time where we have really trained and been treated like professional athletes. Like I can really feel a shift in the club, which is such an exciting thing because it's something that we've wanted for so long. But haven't been able to do because we haven't had the resources or the time or the money put into us, where obviously with the new CBA, uh, things have changed a lot. So more so from that that front, I think the mentality stays the same. I think, you know, this group can do anything and we can go as far as we want and however far we push. Obviously, you know, it's hard with Bree and Britt. It does make it harder, but it gives opportunity, like we said before, for girls like Michaela can to step into those roles and dominate and end up third best and fairest like only and she's only looking better than she did last year so imagine the sort of year she can have in there I think those sort of opportunities are all across the ground so you know I, I just think it's really a really exciting thing and it's a massive thing for women's footy it's going to be a wicked season
0: thank you very much for coming on the pod we've really enjoyed having you here we're just mm-hmm. going to ask one quick question to leave our listeners with which is which player from the Collingwood team would you? Would, should we be keeping an eye on for this season? Who, who's tearing up the track and got you most excited this preseason?
2: I'm going to give you two because I genuinely cannot pick between them. And they're two girls who have struggled to stay out on the track. They've been really unfortunate the last two years with little niggles and injuries, which is, and they're pretty similar positions mm-hmm. too. So Lauren Butler and Jordie Allen, I know it's probably biased because I love my back line, but I genuine, they are genuine stars. I am so excited to see them because, you know, they just need to have their bodies right. They're both absolutely flying at the moment, the fittest they've ever been. I just have so much confidence in them. They're just natural footballers. And I think, yeah, they're going to be two of the most damaging defenders in the AFL for a long, long time. So I reckon it's going to be there as long as we can keep them on the track. Um, which I reckon we'll be able to, they've done a lot of work, then I think they're going to have absolutely huge years. Thank
1: you so much once again for coming on and good luck for the season ahead.
2: No worries, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. All
0: right, gee, that was that was fantastic, wasn't it, Will? So much absolutely. nicer to hear about the club from someone who's inside it and, and living it rather than us on the outside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's It's fantastic to get the player voices on and Give us that real insight into plays that we might not have thought about as being fantasy relevant, and also just to get a bit more familiarity with some of the characters in uh, in the AFLW game.
0: Yeah, and the level of like professionalism that they're bringing in, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do in season seven because they're they were looking very good last year. Definitely those those key injuries, but definitely stacking up for for this season seven.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's just so interesting to hear about how the competitions changed across the the six or seven years that that we've been. Following this competition, I actually first met Ruby back in uh, 2018 as a fresh faced young ruck in the VFLW. And to see her become one of the premier defenders in the competition really warms my heart. It's uh, It's got to be
0: the shortest ruck
1: that any team has ever had, five foot nine. Well, there was a reason that she said she should have been delisted. She was <laughs> not very good at it, but she's definitely uh, paid back the club. Uh, oh,
0: tenfold. For tenfold
1: sure. for sure in the back line. Mm. Well, what we might do
0: now then is just take a look back over the Collingwood Magpies lineup, but from a fantasy point of view, uh, but we'll try and keep some of Ruby's insights in mind as we do. So look, to start with, what's the most important thing from your perspective, from a fantasy lens that we should know about the Collingwood Magpies coming into season seven?
1: Well, for me, it's that midfield opportunity and the fact that We've seen two of the premium midfielders of the competition go down to ACL injuries in Brianna Davey and Brittany Benici, both of them previously very high scorers. So there is midfield opportunity there for a player to possibly push up into that premium band of midfielder for the Collingwood Magpies.
0: Yeah, and I think wherever they're listed, defender, forward or, or midfield, there's going to be a lot of improvers. Definitely something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the the one that, that does also interest me is that backline. We've already talked a bit about, uh, about Ruby, but there, there's some interesting names there that might become much more fantasy relevant as their careers progress.
0: Well, let, let's jump in then on our watch list heading into this season. Let's start with defenders. Uh, Ruby, Ruby Slasher. Are you thinking of starting with her in your team?
1: Absolutely, 100%. She'll be expensive to buy, but it'll be absolutely worth it. Started slowly last year, but she just continues to get better and better just punctuated by that 128 that we mentioned before against Adelaide, she had 31 disposals. You can't do better than that as a pure defender. It's scoring that very few other genuine defenders are likely to reach, so I think she's a must.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm in a very similar boat. I think last year, outside of Emma Swanson and Rebecca yep. Webster, who were both playing midfield, there there wasn't anyone who was even you know in the same boat at all. One thing we probably need to think about is last year, that back half of the season, she was you know she was in beast mode really racking up points in the first half of the season she did start a little
1: slow some of that was injury affected she did have a bit of a knee niggle but she worked through that got into that amazing form that made her a must-have so to me with a with a preseason behind her I don't see any reason why she won't continue that amazing form that saw her become one of the best players in that defensive line across the end of last season
0: yeah, yeah. She's going to be tough to upgrade to, I guess, with only 10 rounds of different prices going up. So I think she's she's almost a lock for me at this point. If we're going to look a little bit, you know, a little bit cheaper, I think there was one player that you were talking about earlier, which was uh, Lauren Butler.
1: Yeah, Lauren Butler, one of the players that Ruby did highlight as a player to, to watch this upcoming season. Interesting, was listed as a, a forward in the fantasy game last year, but We're very much expecting she'll be a defender in season seven, given she played almost entirely in the back pocket. One of the things that I really liked about Lauren Butler's scoring last season was very consistent, only averaged 52, but had a low score of 36. So if she can continue her development, still fairly young, there's no reason to think she can't push her average up to closer to 60, which as a defender is really, really valuable.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's going to push her up into the top five defenders almost immediately. Would you
1: start with her? Probably wouldn't start with her. I think she's one of those players that you definitely track how they go across the early rounds and would be an early upgrade target if she does show that form before she starts really gaining that price increase. But if you're willing to take that risk and go for someone that is a little bit cheaper, I think she's definitely an an option worth considering.
0: It's a very high price to pay for someone who, I guess there's a little bit of upside, but it's not as if she's a guaranteed top scorer. I'm probably more just going to be watching to see when she hits a patch of form.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think she's definitely a player that you should be keeping an eye on throughout the season if she starts hitting those sort of 60s, 70s, which we know she can do. She did have a high score of 71 last season, so not a, a massive ceiling, but once again, still young, still developing her game. So if we start seeing that a bit more regularly, definitely think to bring her in. Well, why don't we jump
0: into the midfield then? Because we know with the loss of Brie Davey and Britt Benici, that there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Who are the prime ball movers at Collingwood though? we need to be aware of?
1: So the real midfield leader for the Colling Magpies last season was Jamie Lambert, a superstar in the midfielder, won their best and fairest. Uh, she really stepped up in the absence of their missing superstars, Brie Davey and Britt Benici. So she finished the year with an average of 89. Very, very good scoring. But what really interests me about Jamie Lambert was the 130 points that she scored in the final round of the year, 130 against Richmond. So that's something that shows she's got a really high ceiling. And if she can keep up those sorts of games, once again, in the absence of those two superstars, she's definitely a player worth considering as a premium option.
0: Yeah. I don't actually know many players that would have a higher ceiling than that, to be honest.
1: Yeah. You're really looking at the genuine top level players, like your Hatchards, your Bowers, to be able to to hit 130. And a couple of weeks previously, she scored 118 as well. So she's definitely capable of it. The only issue with Lambert is she can get a bit of attention from opposition taggers, mainly because she's now the, the main player in that midfield.
0: Mm, yeah, which is which is a bit of a concern. Once uh, they lost Britt Benici, which, remind me, that was round eight, I believe, against the Boers. Round eight against the Dogs, correct. Yeah. From that point on, Uh, She scored 118, a 73, and 130, which is far and away above her 89 average for the season. You know, In the first half of the season, I think she only went above that score once, and it was really that back half that carried her. Probably wouldn't want her as your prime midfielder, but we do want some value in our premium mids. We were talking about a few players that might take that next step going forward, and I think Lambert next season could average 95 maybe.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely an option that really does interest me. I had Jamie Lambert in my team as a unique option last season, and I really reaped the benefits of of her high scoring. I think I may have even made her captain for one of those big 100 games, just as a hopefully this will get me close to the top 100. So I I think if if you're looking at at a player to put as your sort of second or third midfielder who can push up their scoring from that, mid 80 level into the 90s she's definitely an option for that mm,
0: yeah one one we'll be looking at closely when we come and form our teams another pretty big ball winner in the Collingwood lineup who also stepped up once Benici went down uh Michaela Can.
1: yeah Michaela Can had a really fantastic year last season establishing herself in that Collingwood midfield playing that real inside role to replace Bree Davey the important thing for her was to get that that sort of consistency in her game which led to four consecutive scores over 70 to end last season especially once Riponici went out to that knee injury so across the final four games of the season she actually averaged 78 so going into next season she'll be averaged at around about 67 there's a player there who could very possibly push their average up over 80 who's very underpriced if that does come to be.
0: Mm. It's definitely a career high for her because I think some of her previous seasons, you know, not playing that midfield role specifically in in the the grunt, I suppose, of the different center bounces, uh, definitely not getting as much ball. But once she moved in, as you say, she was terrific.
1: Yeah, for sure. She she she's played a lot of roles, flowing through that midfield, playing as one of the rotations. But to actually get that starting midfield position last season really saw an uptick in her scoring ability and. It's one of the things that makes me very interested in her ability to actually be a starting player because you're going to get the value out of her if she keeps up the form that she showed at the end of last season. And I'd also like to add for both of these players, one of the reasons that they're both also very good options is they can hit the scoreboard, particularly Jamie Lambert. In that game where she scored 118 against the Bulldogs, she actually kicked three goals. So goal-kicking midfielders a rarity in the in the women's game so they're very good to have in your team
0: yeah absolute gold I also really like the tackling consistency that they have because one thing that I I noticed is Collingwood actually have some of the lowest tackle numbers amongst the entire FOW which really surprised me because their midfield unit tackles so much
1: yeah absolutely and I think the one of the main players who actually was one of their best tacklers was Ripponichi which is Quite surprising given she's mostly known as an outside runner who gets a lot of uh, marks on the wing, just showing her versatility as, as a player. So to have those two as your main tackling sources, so Michaela can had five tackles or more every round for the last six games of the year. That sort of consistency is what will make her a player that is very much an option for your midfield.
0: One One other flag that I'd want to put there though is that Collingwood is a handball-happy team with their game style. They have the highest handball-to-kick ratio on the entire comp.
1: That's correct. And, and Michaela Kahn one of those players that is a distributor. She's an in-and-under midfielder, so she does often handball more than she kicks. Hmm. Um, being in that primary midfield role, whether that's an issue, I'm not sure. She's still a high-possession winning player.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, I still if-
0: think it's going to improve. She's going to outperform her average from last season just on the basis that she'll probably be one of those prime movers. The, the question is, is someone who averages 80 in your midfield, is that going to be enough?
1: Yeah, and I, I would possibly even see her if she is going to average that 80, she's a springboard player. So she's the sort of player that you can get in, she'll make the money to get to that average, and then you can push her up to a player who averages closer to that 90, 100 mark. So she's a really yeah. interesting player as a player that you probably would be very happy with at the start of the season, but you'd be looking to upgrade by those sort of middle rounds.
0: Yeah, it is handy that the prices in the AFW fantasy game move a little bit quicker. I think in the AFL men's game, it's it's very slow jumps to try and get from a 60 average to an 80 average price point. But yeah, in the women's game, it's a lot quicker. So that's that's not a bad thought.
1: Absolutely. And l- last season, moving up those midfielders who were your mid prices into your premiums was one of the key things that made our team successful. Getting those really high scorers, your, your Marinoffs, your Bowers, getting them into your team was important, but also difficult because of the short time span. So if you've got a player like Michaela Kant who can score you some 80s to start the season and then you can move them into a player like a Bowers, it really does set you up for success. Now, there's a bit
0: of overlap here. I suppose the next few midfielder options for Collingwood that we were talking about with Ruby, a few of them are actually going to be listed as forwards in the A4W Fantasy game. The key ones that I want to talk about were probably... Chloe Malloy and Ash Sheridan, because it doesn't sound like Chloe Malloy's may not get that midfield time that we were thinking she might, but Ash Sheridan might.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Chloe Malloy was a bit below her best last season. She was uh, troubled a lot by a back injury. So she could be coming into the new season a bit underpriced, but her value to the Collingwood team is in that forward line. She's the most dynamic forward that they have, arguably one of the most dynamic forwards in the entire competition. And really she Scored three scores over 70, but also had quite a few scores on the lower end. So she had a couple of 20s and 30s, which means that she's one of those players that her best is elite, but whether she can really hit those highs consistently, hard Mm. to say. It makes sense to me that they'd be looking to leave her deeper forward. They've got more midfield coverage options as compared to goal-kicking options. She was their leading goal kicker last season with eight. Their next best, Sophie Alexander, kicked just the six and she's now moved on to Essendon. So they'd be pretty much robbing Peter to pay Paul if they're looking to move their best goal kicker into the midfield.
0: Yeah, and those eight goals, that would have been affected a little bit by the fact that she did get trialled through the middle
1: a lot towards the later parts of last season. Yeah, absolutely. She still spent quite a lot of time in that forward line, even when she was playing Mm -hmm. as a midfielder. But it was most notable in games such as the that Bulldogs game when Ripponichi went out. She basically went straight into that midfield to, to fill that hole. It can lead to increased scoring against the, the Bulldogs. She did end up with a score of 70 with 16 disposals. But at the same time, they need her for a goal kicking. Goal kicking has probably been the Achilles heel of this Collingwood team across not just last season, but across their time in the competition. So to me, they need to get the most out of Chloe Malloy, which probably means not a fantasy-friendly role.
0: Yeah, which is, which is a shame. But to be honest, she's probably a watch for you know, most goals in a season rather than anything else.
1: To be honest, even if you're not watching her for your fantasy points, get your eyes on the tally or at the actual game to watch her in full flight because she's one of the most exciting players to watch.
0: What was interesting about what Ruby was saying, though, was that Ash Sheridan is one that she's picking for a bit more time in the guts.
1: Yeah, Ash Sheridan, being a, a very good player for the the Collingwood Magpies, less so in a fantasy sense. Last year, she averaged just 43, but was listed as a forward. But what really interests me was that she scored a 78 to end the year, playing a bit more through that midfield against Richmond. So if she does manage to get a bit more midfield time, she can push that average up well over 50 towards that 60 mark. All of a sudden, you've got a forward who's very, very worth your time in trying to get them into their team. Whether she's a starting option, I'm not too sure. I think that's probably going to be role dependent and something to watch across the early rounds.
0: She's going to be priced very cheap. That's very handy because I think if we're talking about Michaela Can going from 60 to 80, that's one thing. But if we had Sheridan going from a 35 kind of price point all the way up to 80,
1: that that would be a, a player that you have to have in your teams almost. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've said it multiple times and we'll say it many more times, but Midfield time for your forwards in particular is critical. You want players who are running through that midfield. And even if she's just got a, a slight uptick in midfield time, you could see her becoming a, maybe a 50 to 55 averaging player. And that's already a very good forward for you.
0: That's one I guess we're definitely going to need to keep, keep an eye on. I don't know if we're going to be able to know before round one, but certainly if we don't start her in our sides for any reason and we see that happen in round one, that's, that's an immediate jump on and buy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. With Sophie Alexander leaving that forward line, where are the goals going to come from? They've got to make a little change up how they structure up forward. Ruby was saying Imogen Barnett sounded like the most likely.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the the tall forward combination will be Sabrina Frederick up forward and replacing Sophie Alexander will be Imogen Barnett. Imogen Barnett is, a, is an interesting one because she'll likely be priced at the bottom price. Played three games last year for an average of 16, so it probably won't be a whole lot of price movement there. But from a pricing point of view, if you're looking for a bottom priced forward, I'm not sure a key forward is really the sort of player that you're looking for. Got a high score of 32. That's not going to do a whole lot in terms of price movement.
0: No, no. In fact, it might actually be a little detrimental because Imogen Barnett actually lost money last year from her starting price.
1: As we saw last year, we had quite a few players that did lose a bit of money, which made them really hard to move on. You don't want to be stuck with a rookie who... You can't move out of your team and isn't scoring your points.
0: And I suppose just a note here, we've seen that Collingwood had a couple pickups in the draft. I think we're looking that they're pretty unlikely to play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of them, Charlotte Taylor, coming straight out of the VFLW side. She's a a tall player, 174 centimetres, so will likely fill in that utility role, but... As Ruby said, they've got Erica Fowler, who's kind of already playing that role. So she'll likely, or Charlotte Taylor, rather, will likely be mostly a depth player. And Charlotte Blair, the other one, will come in to the side as a small forward. Whether she actually plays in the side is is another matter. They've got pretty good small forwards: Ash Sheridan, who we've mentioned, Uh, Eliza James, who had a a fantastic first season in the first part of this year. So I wouldn't expect her to play too many games early on.
0: Yeah, they've they've actually built a very good depth collingwood i think it's going to be a hard side for them for most people to break into even though they've got some of those players at the top yeah. missing with injury
1: yeah absolutely because we, we did see one of the the things that did happen last year is the in-season injuries meant that players did have to be replaced basically on the fly so the two midfielders they basically threw the captain steph Chiochi back through the midfield We've mentioned, obviously, Michaela Can, who had a season that was really, really good getting up midfield time. Uh, Sarah Rose also run through there a bit. She was a player that interests me temporarily last season. She was putting up some very high scores and has scored 100 in the past, but the inconsistency on, on that wing role probably means she's not one on the watch list for the moment. And the other one who, who I do want to just bring up is Joanna Lynn, who is a ball winner in the VFLW, missed a lot of uh, footy through a shoulder injury, so could be a, a cheaper midfield option to consider. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of players around that lower price point. I would probably recommend looking at your expansion pools.
0: Look, as we always do, let's finish off with the Rucks. Uh last year I had Alison Downey in my side and I think it was her first year for the Collingwood Pies. Great starting ruck going from basement price and, and pushing well up to match it with some of the better Rucks. But I think now that she's a bit fully priced, I'm I'm not too interested. Do you do you have any interest in the Collingwood ruck lineup?
1: No, definitely not. She was a very popular pick at the start of last season. She she's been a, a stalwart ruck for Carlton mostly throughout her career. But last year, well, as you said, Jono, moved made the move to Collingwood. Gaining that price was really critical to her being a starting ruck for a lot of us. And she only pushed to an average of 44, which was very good for for what she was priced at. Moving into the new season, if she's priced around that. I don't think she's a player to give too much consideration to.
0: Interesting that they've brought on Liv Barber as a, as a second backup ruck there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So she, very tall player coming out of Geelong, played mostly as a key forward in a, a pinch hitting ruck when she was at the Cats. So she was one of the players that we had had a bit of a discussion about whether she'd be replacing Sophie Alexander in that forward line. Sounds like Imogen Barnett's probably that first option, but she's definitely one, probably more to keep an eye on for the future because she's got a lot of talent and we'll probably take that mantle as the number one ruck in seasons to come. But for now, with an average of 30 from last season, probably not going to get a huge amount of game time. I think that's one to probably wait and see on for the future seasons. I'd also like to uh, point out that Liv Barber, when she's playing with Geelong, I got her to sign my jumper and she did not sign with a number.
0: <laughs> you must be
1: outraged. I was outraged. <laughs> I'll have to go find her after a colony game and get her to, to put the number to up. To redo it,
0: redo it, yeah. Well, look, that's going to be our overview of the Collingwood Magpies. And there's certainly a lot of players there that we're going to be keeping our eye on as the preseason carries on. Tomorrow, we're going to be on to the Fremantle Dockers, which just as a little heads up, we're going to be leaving the expansion clubs until last. So uh, look out for in a little bit later on.
1: Absolutely. Lots of content to, to talk through those ones.
0: Yeah. But keep an eye out for the, our Dockers episode tomorrow, and we'll have our best 21 out on the socials. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds And, Steven.
1: and I'm on Instagram at WillH underscore VI.
0: We'll catch you tomorrow, Evan.
1: Thank you very much.